Well, good morning, Greenwich, and welcome to the Tuesday, June 21st edition, the first day of summer edition of the Basement Academy. The morning psalm, Psalm 111, is one of those favorite psalms. Praise the Lord. I will extol the Lord with all my heart in the counsel of the upright and in the assembly. Great are the works of the Lord. They are pondered by all who delight in them. Glorious and majestic are his deeds, and his righteousness endures forever. He has caused his wonders to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and compassionate. He provides food for those who fear him. He remembers his covenant forever. He has shown his people the power of his works, giving them the lands of other nations. The works of his hands are faithful and just. All his precepts are trustworthy. They are steadfast forever and ever, done in faithfulness and uprightness. He provided redemption for his people. He ordained his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All who follow his precepts have good understanding. To him belongs eternal praise. Amen. <clears throat> reminders of the covenant, reminders of God's provision, both for our physical and our spiritual needs. And this reminder that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All who follow his precepts have good understanding. So let, let us be numbered among that, um, that great cloud of witnesses uh, who embrace uh, his precepts. All right, James chapter 4. We read this yesterday. Let me read it again. <clears throat> now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast and brag. All such boasting is evil. Anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, sins. <clears throat> and so spent a little time yesterday reflecting on this, planning, and yet in our plans not being uh, presumptuous, that that we have it all figured out and we can secure and guarantee our future. Uh, what is our life but a mist? <clears throat> we, are, we are fleeting. And so I wanted to reflect uh, for a few moments upon that reality, the fleetingness of our lives. We are born in time, at a specific moment in time, a place. Each of us are, are located, right? <clears throat> and so June 9th, 1960 in Anaheim, California for me. That, that's where I was born in space and time. And then I've been living my days since then. And 62 uh, trips around the sun have taken place for me, right? So 62 plus now. <clears throat> um, I want to think about a, th a theology of time, the, the reality of um, being time-bound creatures, but time-limited 
creatures. Okay, and so uh, just a few few thoughts to share that I've kind of built my, my own thinking over the years. Praying the Psalms helps me. Uh, Psalm 90, verse 12, teach us to number our days aright that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Psalm 39, let me know how fleeting is my life. Psalm 31, my times are in your hands. Uh, Psalm 139, all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. And so there is a witness that we find in the scriptures that our our days are numbered, our, our, our time is limited on this earth. And so if we live, as I understand it, teach us to number our days right that we may gain a heart of wisdom, that we might live a, a wise life. I think that's a little bit behind uh, the psalm this morning. The fear of the Lord, the eternal one who gives us our lives, acknowledging, reverencing God is the beginning of wisdom. Acknowledging he is eternal, we are not. Uh, and so a, a theology of time always reckons with this notion of numbered days. That, um, that, that our lives are fixed. There's a limited supply of these days. We don't know that number. God does, but we do not. I think we can live with confidence that we'll not go before our time, right? <laughs> All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. And so God sees our end and our beginning, right? Not just our beginning. We only know our beginning. We don't know our end. And so there is something in that <clears throat> that can lead to humility. So we don't... Um, what we live with an awareness that over time, for most of us, if not all of us, our faculties will gently decline and diminish. And so there will be... It's kind of like the seasons of the year. Springtime, summer, fall, winter. Springtime, the, the youth of our lives. Summer, our productive years. Autumn, when we're reaping harvest, the, the harvest of relationships and vocation, and as we begin to transition. And then winter, when uh, the days <laughs> grow, grow shorter, right? Um, our ability to get and, and move about um, is, is limited. But there, things happen in winter, right? There, there's, there's goodness that can happen there as well. So it's living with this <clears throat> so we we engage in the work proper to each season so in in, in the early years of youth uh, are our learning years our growing years our exploring and discovering you know all the joys as as in the springtime you know plants are coming up and then you know what is that one going to be and it flowers and buds and then there's fruit in the summer so our summer our productive years our working years, vocational years, volunteer service years, um, you know, building a family, building a life, building a home, uh, building a legacy, all of that, enjoying the fruit of that uh, in the fall. Uh, when we begin to give of ourselves, the fruit of our lives is passed on to the next generation. I think that's what happens in the fall 
the autumn of our lives, you know, our 60s and 70s and perhaps into our 80s, but typically into our 80s and 90s, should we live so long, when we move into winter and we are being provided for, we're living out of what we have stored up, right? The memories, the relationships, the goodness that we have invested in life, then by God's grace returns back to us and we are often cared for by those whom we have cared for, children and, and others. And so, um, yeah, so, so that's one, the first kind of thought, limited time, the seasons of our life. What season are you in? Are you engaging in the work proper to that season? Okay. Uh, Sabbath as a means of consecrating time. And so God created the, the heavens and the earth in six days. On the seventh day, he rested and blessed it. And then there was this call that we would rest. And so our days are stamped with a seven-day pattern, right? Our weeks, you know, the way we count our weeks. And so God would have us practice Sabbath, that we would stop our work, whatever our vocational efforts are, that we would cease from those labors one day a week. Typically, it would be Sunday for Christians, Saturday for those in the Jewish faith, those who received the law of Moses originally. <clears throat> and so Sabbath has a way of consecrating time. It acknowledges that time is a gift, right? And so um, we, we recognize that there is work to be done and then the, the ceasing from our labors. And, and that's hard in our society that is go, 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 press, push, make money, time is money, you know, with all of that to, to stop one day a week for rest, for recreation or recreation. Uh, there are some older uh, Sabbatarian principles that Christians have said it's not proper to play on the Sabbath. I would disagree with that. I think we call recreation is recreating ourselves. We, we, we become as children again. Unless you become as children, you will not inherit the kingdom, Jesus said. And so uh, to rest, to pray, and so part of the Sabbath work is to pray, to give our attention to God, and then to play and to, to renew ourselves and to become young and fresh again and enjoy the elements of, of, of God's uh, creation. But Sabbath reminds us that there is purpose to time that we've been created to labor. And so we labor for six days, whatever that labor may be, it might be physical manual labor. It might be for many of us, our labor is more um, kind of cognitive labor. You know, we work at computers and like. Our labor may be service. It may be raising a family uh, and, and building a home. But, but time has purpose. God created us to work the garden. Adam and Eve placed in the garden, till that garden, tend to bring forth fruit, be fruitful yourselves. Uh, and so uh, creating music and art, writing, um, reading, uh, enjoying gardening and the like. And so, and so all of this. And so, and so time is sacred. Time is holy. Okay, it's so very important to remember that. And Sabbath keeps us attentive to that because it keeps us attentive to God. It keeps us attentive to community that we were created for one another. So on the Sabbath, we're called to come together for gathered worship. We remember we have an extended family uh, and the family of faith. 
and we lift our songs, our prayers, we hear God's word, etc. And so we reorient and recalibrate uh, our lives, and we recognize that then we go out to labor for another week. And so we're renewed, we're refreshed, and then we go labor again. And so there is a rhythm uh, to our lives. God intends uh, for that to be. Uh, but <clears throat> I think because of Sabbath, the call, God commands it. He doesn't merely suggest it, <laughs> you know, but he commands Sabbath to be kept because there is a cost to continual labor. We wear out. <laughs> and so in our own society, um, the, for us, busyness and hurry, uh, you know, we live in such a mobile society. Back in the day, people lived and, and moved at about three miles an hour, right? That's about the, the average pace of, of walking, right? And so, uh, you know, Jesus walked everywhere he went. And so when you live life at three miles an hour, you can have conversation with people as you're going down the road. We don't do so much anymore. We hop in our cars, we get on Route 66, we might go three miles an hour, right? Because of the traffic. Um, but we're isolated the way we live our lives uh, with modern transportation. We work at a distance from where we live. Um, you know, uh, uh, communication is instant. Here's my, I got my cell phone sitting over here. And so I could pick up the phone and call my children, you know, in other, other cities and other places. Um, I could FaceTime somebody around the world in an instant. Uh, we can reduce the world. And so there's something, <clears throat> time gets compressed in a way. And so there's a cost uh, to hurry uh, and, and busyness. There's a physical cost to our health often. Uh, we do uh, wear out. Um, our sense of relationships. Um, I can't tell you how many folks over the years I've been in conversation with as a pastor who live kind of a commuting life and just hours of their day, hours of their life that, that add up to days and weeks that'll never be captured back, that they've just spent driving to and from work. And so sometimes they're out before the kids are up and they're home after the kids have gone to bed. And so there's cost to relationships uh, in this modern world uh, that we live in. And so, and so it's paying attention to that. And, and over time, you know, hurry and, and busyness may impact our character, that we don't feel we have time for Sabbath. It's one hour a week to go to church. I mean, the Sabbath is the full day. It's not just the hour, but something about keeping that sacred hour that helps to set the tone for all the other hours, right? And sometimes, you know, I've got too much to do. I'm just going to do a little bit of work today. You know, hey, I'll catch that online service. You know, I'll listen to the sermon. You know, I'll do that. And, and subtly, um, you know, quietly, you know, something happens to us. Uh, there's an erosion uh, of our faith uh, and our hope uh, and our love. Um, uh, there was a sermon I heard one time where a person asked a mentor of his, John Ortenberg, asked a mentor of his, Dallas Willard, what he must do to grow and mature uh, in life and in ministry. Ortenberg's a minister. And his mentor said, you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your lives. And then Ortberg, who has a little bit of a, a, a keen sense of humor, 
as he was telling the story, goes, okay, I got that. What's next? What's next? You know, kind of like hurrying through the lesson. And of course, we all laughed. Ruthlessly eliminating hurry from our lives. Busyness from our lives. Our, our world wears busyness like a merit badge, right? You know, we have this um, sense of uh, the more the more I, you know, can be done, the more I can accomplish is the more I, I'm more a more worthwhile and valuable person. And for a lot of folks, they struggle when they get to retirement. My dad certainly had had this challenge. I anticipate I will have the same challenge. Then when all of a sudden I'm not working anymore, I don't have an office to go to, I get up, what do I do? Where's my sense of purpose? And so I think slowing down, keeping Sabbath, recognizing there's a season to labor, there's a season uh, to, to harvest the fruit of labor. Uh, and so, you know, practicing other, um, other you know, hobbies and, 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 and uh, prayer and the like. Um, which leads to, to this whole notion of busyness and hurry leads to, you know, do we see, do we receive time as a gift, that, 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 a gift to receive, or is time a resource to use? Time is money. And so we take an instrumental view of time, that we're the master of time. It, we treat it like a building block, and then we use time for our own purposes. Or is time this gift that we have received? You don't know about tomorrow. <laughs> you don't know that you can be able to go to this city or that city and, and live there and, and conduct business and make money. Your life is but a mist. It is vanishing. It's fleeting. And so let us receive this day, this moment as a gift. Um, you've, I'm sure, heard many people point out that our word present serves in a couple different directions. Present is this moment, okay? It's 7.56 a.m. on Tuesday morning, right? That's what I'm recording this. And so this moment is the present moment, but present is also what we bring each other, the gift that we bring, that we open presents at Christmas and on our birthdays and on our special uh, occasions. And so the present moment is a gift. This is the moment... Uh, uh, this is the moment when I can live, I can love, I can uh, worship, I can obey, I can be in relationship, um, I can pray. I think it was Lewis uh, in one of his essays. The present is that moment when time touches eternity. This is the moment when I can know the eternal God. I can engage in eternal realities. I can love and trust and pray and serve and give and sacrifice because this is the only moment I have. Okay, now it's 7.57. Okay, one minute has clicked. Okay, boom. Time just relentlessly marches on. And so we receive this moment as a gift. It is a present for this is the moment when Time touches eternity. I can invest, I can live towards eternal realities and, and experience the kingdom of God and the blessing of God in, in this moment. And so these are some thoughts that I've uh, developed over the years. They're not unique or original to me, but I've collected them. And this is a lot of how I think about time. And I think this passage helps me. It reminds me. We're talking about today and tomorrow, doing this, doing that. Our life is but a mist. 
and soon it will vanish, right? We'll be gone. We'll be laid in the grave. <laughs> and so let's live this day well. Let's live this moment well. And some of that may be watching TV and, and you know, puttering and fret. Ah, that, that's great. But let us also give ourselves to things that matter most, right? Or certainly matter more. And then finally, doing the good we know to do. I think, I think some of what James is getting at, you know, you know you're not supposed to boast and brag about the future. I think that's what he's talking about. As it is, you know, you know, you boast and brag. All such boasting is evil. Anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it sins. And so sin is not always just, you know, smoking, drinking too much, you know, eating too much, watching the wrong kind of shows, etc. Yeah, I'll grant that, that that can be sin too. But sin is this deeper reality of not being attentive to God in the moment, not being attentive to the neighbor in the moment, being the priest and the Levite who doesn't have time. I've got to get to temple. I've got to get to synagogue. I've got to get to, I've got things to do. And so in that parable of the Good Samaritan, this man beaten and left for dead by the robbers and the priest and the Levite who should have had a good theology of time, right? They were on the way for Sabbath worship perhaps, but they were so busy, so hurry, so preoccupied, they did not have time for the neighbor in need. And so anyone who knows the good they ought to do, but doesn't do it sins. And so let us do the good we ought to do each day. Let us set aside time each day for prayer, uh, for attentive, attentiveness to God, for scripture. We don't have to spend all day doing that, but let's spend a little bit. And then let's get into the day. Let's receive our nutrition with gratitude. Let's say our prayers before our meal. Let's get off to our activities with thanksgiving and with joy in our hearts. Let's not grumble. Let's not complain. You know, we might have some aches and pains. All of us do. We pick that up. But let us be glad for this day. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it, uh, the psalmist says. And so let's do that good with the time God's given us today, okay? Let's pray. Father, thank you. <clears throat> thank you for the joy of this new day and the promise in your scripture that your mercies are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Through all the seasons of our lives, through all the seasons of the years, we begin the season of summer now. Lord, would you give us ears to hear this call to consecrate and receive time as a great gift from you and help us to live well and love well this day as we make our prayer in the name of Jesus who taught us to pray together saying, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And I just thought of something uh, at a funeral service last Friday uh, for sweet Peggy Ean. Uh, many of you knew Peggy. Uh, her family brought her back home from Texas to be buried at, at Greenwich. That was where she wished. This was her church for so long. And one of her grandsons, who was a pastor, stood up and he works with families, young families. And he said, when a new baby is born, they give to that family a jar filled with 936 marbles, representing 
the the time that they have, I think it's 936 weeks that they will have from that time that that child um, uh, uh, is in their home until they graduate at 18 and move on. And so trying to give to parents a visual reminder each week, 936 marbles. And so each week another marble is, is picked out and that sense that you've got 18 years to deeply invest in the life of your child. I thought that was interesting. So as we close out with a benediction, may God bless you and keep you. May God give you a sense of the number of your days so that you may live a wise day, a wise life and a wise day now and forevermore. Amen. God bless you.